your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to round two for me today. Thank you, thank you. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the talk of text line. If you want to get in here, do so now. If you got questions in a little bit, I'm having Lacrosse County Administrator Steve O'Malley on. I've got an entire page worth of stuff I want to talk about, and we'll see how much of this we get to in such a short period of time. Uh, after writing all this down, I was like, wow, I got probably about a week's worth of shows here to do with Steve, so <laughs> I don't know if I can get to it all, but as we're having that conversation, you can shoot me a text, 608-785-7914. The... Um, a bandwagon of Republicans headed to Fort McCoy today. And I think Brad's working on that story. Brad Williams was out there trying to see if he... No, it hasn't gone up. It hasn't gone live yet to the to Wisdom website. But we did... He did send me some of the sound from Ron Johnson. But here's, here's what was is kind of interesting is... Um, Ron Johnson, Senator here in Wisconsin, right? He was there along with, uh, state senators, Patrick Teston, Lauren Oldenburg, Nancy Vandermeer and Howard Markling. And then state reps, Tony Kurtz or state rep, Tony Kurtz, um, all Republicans, so no Democrats went. No Democrats were invited, which is where I kind of have a problem with that. Steve Doyle's been uh, a rep here for a long time. I think maybe he's even had some experience with refugees coming to the area. And he wasn't invited. Joe Billings, the Lacrosse County state rep here, or the, the, the city of Lacrosse essentially, uh, the state rep here, she wasn't invited. Ron Kine, not invited. So there's our Democratic rep. So it was just a Republican bandwagon. I don't know. It seems if you're going to go tour or go talk to uh, the people at Fort McCoy, you know, their time is precious, right? They have a lot of things to do. They've got, you know, what maybe I think Ron Johnson, and we'll play the clip here. He said maybe 10,000 refugees might end up there. And um, they've got about a thousand so far, but so the people at Fort McCoy, time precious. They got better things to do than, you know, appease a whole bunch of bandwagons of of politicians showing up. Hey, we want to check things out. Okay, well, you know, I guess we'll we'll appease you guys too. You know, there was seven of you the other day. You could have came with them. I don't know if it was seven. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. My bet. Uh, Derek Van Orden, a congressional candidate, and Jason Church, a congressional candidate, were originally on that list to to come check things out, but they ended up not being able to go because they're not politicians. They're just citizens like you and I. So they were briefed on the situation according to um twitter <laughs> Derek van orden jason church would be 
would join this press conference outside Fort McCoy. They are not present with Senator John Johnson. Instead, they spoke to the senator on the phone. Fort McCoy would only allow elected officials inside. Which makes a lot of sense, because otherwise, if Derek Van Orden, get, Van Orden gets to go into Fort McCoy, then I want to go, too. I am a journalist, so I can update people just as well as he can. I don't have a Navy SEAL card, so there's that, but... I don't think uh, I don't think anyone at Fort McCoy wants me going in there and telling them how to do their job, nor anybody. Hey, you know what you should do? <laughs> It'd be super fun. Uh, so so yeah. Uh, here's here's I got I got a just a bit of a clip from Ron Johnson. I think I got two clips here. Uh, let me. I got to get them into the right order though. Is this the first one? Is this the correct clip? No, we, we weren't able to speak to any of the uh, the uh, individuals from from Afghanistan. Uh, what we were told is a little over a thousand people have come here. Uh, they believe their capacity is going to be at ten thousand. Uh, they're starting to get their regular updates in terms of what flights are going to arrive, but we don't know really the pace, so we don't know when they're going to hit that ten thousand person capacity. Um, they're 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 setting up the process. Uh, one thing I have to admit, I was there were two things I was kind of shocked about. Is first of all. The commanding general had no idea that he was going to be serving in this capacity, that this was going to be the mission Fort McCoy till 10 days ago. But there wasn't, you know, over, over the course of the months from when President Biden announced the total withdrawal out of Afghanistan, there, there was no, well, we're going to have to take, you know, we're going to have to process people. We're going to have to, you know, welcome in the, the special immigrant visa holders. There wasn't a discussion over months so we could plan. This happened 10 days ago. How many people that are, are, the, are the folks that are Afghanistan veterans want to pull out to safety? How many of those people do you think the Taliban are allowing through the gates of Kabul or airport? Again, this didn't have to end this way. This is a travesty. This is a disaster. This is incompetence on the part of this administration. And there's simply not enough lipstick to put on this pig at this point in time. Not enough lipstick to put on the pig. There you had it, Ron Johnson. And there's simply not enough lipstick to put on this pig at this point in time. Apparently has a problem with pigs. Why are we putting lipstick on pigs, Ron Johnson? What's wrong with pigs? Pig shaming, Ron Johnson. All right. (laughs) Such a weird analogy. Brad said he said it twice. And it's, it's originated from Sarah Palin, apparently. Time to cancel culture, the pig shaming. It's all over for you. Don't even try to run Ron Johnson. Not after a comment like that. Steve O'Malley coming up. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. I'm Rick Solom. On the phone with me now, Lacrosse County Administrator Steve O'Malley. Steve, I feel like you're just three blocks. Now I think about it, you're like three blocks away. You could have just walked over here. Yeah, I probably should have, but then we both have to wear a mask. Yeah, that's okay. Um, we, uh, I appreciate you coming on here. I, I just want to, first of all, you're the, the uh, like I just said, the La Crosse County Administrator. You've been doing government work, and tell me if I'm wrong here, you're doing government work for 36 years. You've been 18 years as the administrator or 18 years working within the county? 
18 years as county administrator here for La Crosse County. All right. And um, you kind of told me you're in essence, you're, you're the CEO of the county, uh, 1,300 employees, $170 million budget. That all right? That's correct. And uh, we provide services, everything from operating the court system on behalf of the state to operating a jail, solid waste department, land conservation, zoning, two long-term care campuses, Hillview and Lakeview, uh, providing all the basic services to uh, uh, provide the tax system, information technology, and everything uh, in between for all of those 28 departments, including uh, six elected uh, department heads and 22 appointed department heads that I supervise and work with and manage. Now, are you still punched in because it's after 5 o'clock, but you're kind of still doing work? I'm salaried, so I'm always always available. Always on the clock. Um, All right. So, first of all, just, you know, I I don't know if a lot of people understand just exactly what the La Crosse County Administrator does. Is there an easy way to break this down without taking an hour? (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's uh, it's simple enough to um, describe. Um, As the sixth largest employer in La Crosse County, we provide all the services that I just touched on, uh, but I'm appointed by the county board that's elected by districts. I'm the chief administrator of the county responsible for supervising and managing all administrative and management functions of the county, and um, also I submit the annual budget. So one of my main responsibilities is working with department heads to prepare the annual budget for the board to consider, and in fact, we're just nearing completion of that for 2022, um, and we'll be providing a report to the county board, so I can give you a a brief uh, preview of that. We'll be bringing in... Uh, again, a, a solid budget that's less than a 2% increase in property tax levy. Most of our budget is supported by other than property taxes through federal and state grants and user fees. And we'll be bringing that into the board and we'll uh, maintain our position as the sixth lowest per capita of county tax levy in the state and uh, the absolute lowest of any county above 100,000 population. All right. So does does the, the 2022 budget, is this... Is this taking most of your time, just kind of pan, uh, hashing this out? Certainly. Working with uh, the finance department and uh, the department heads, uh, it's one of the major responsibilities that we have, and now we have to bring the decisions and all of the bits and pieces that the county board has to weigh in on and evaluate our recommendations uh, over the next couple of months before November when they actually adopt uh, a final budget. And this will be part of next month's meeting, right? The, the, will this be probably the main focus of next month's meeting? It'll actually be one of them. I'll be providing them a summary along with distribution of the documents. And then October and November is when we really get into serious review and debate and discussion by the board and evaluation of whether or not they agree with our recommendations. All right. So, and you mentioned you're like, you're setting priorities and making recommendations. Um, how, how do you, how do you go about doing that? Obviously you've had 18 years of experience for doing that, but do you, do you take into, are you talking to a lot of people there? Do you set, set the recommendations and then let everyone hack, everyone hack that up from you start the process and let everyone hack it up after that? No, it's really kind of um, leading based on the history of what the expectations of the county board are, as well as the mandates that the um, state government sets of responsibilities that we have. So we never get to fully debate from scratch. We have certain givens that we have to operate a court system. We have to operate a jail. We've got the history of operating uh, one of the most extensive solid waste systems. Uh, We provide the highway services for uh, the state and, and county road system. So a lot of it is a 
given. So it's really not ever starting off from scratch because we've inherited a large operation that has a lot of responsibilities and how do we maintain those and try to continue to innovate and improve as we go along. But um, in, in some ways, as the CEO, I'm guiding the process. I don't uh, ever get to just um, uh, you know uh, overturn the whole thing. It's, it's trying to guide the process and maintain the quality of services that we provide. The 2022 budget going to be more difficult to manage than the 2021 budget? Uh, which one? Because I, I imagine those two budgets may be the hardest ones to figure out based on COVID. I, I'm just making an assumption there. I don't I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, actually, it hasn't been. It's It's been more um, our ability to react and, and um, revise things. So, for example, in 2021, what was surprising is that um, while COVID was very challenging to all of our services and all of our departments, um, the federal government provided some backup uh, through the CARES Act to actually reimburse us for some of those costs, which put us in a more positive financial position than I would have expected uh, when the situation started. And then, of course, in uh, 2022, um, uh, sales tax revenue has been stronger than expected. Uh, and, of course, uh, independent of our budget will be the uh, American Rescue dollars that the board is evaluating how to deal with that. But we've been able to stand on our own, and this is probably one of the strongest budgets that I've led in my uh, 36 years in uh, local government. And when you when you're making recommendations, and I'm just I'm kind of walking in the dark here when I'm trying to t- try to talk about what you're doing with the budget. But when you when you're doing this, is there anything that just sticks out that maybe the community would be pretty interested in? Oh, the county's going to do this next year, or they're going to invest in this. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, people would be very interested in knowing that the backbone of our public safety system, our emergency radio system, as well as how um, we provide dispatch services to all of the local fire and police agencies, we're going through a major upgrade uh, next year of all of the computer-aided dispatch. We operate one of the uh, consolidated dispatch systems, one of the earliest, has been, we've been doing it for years, providing consolidated dispatch services for 911 and emergency dispatch. So we'll be going through upgrading uh, the software and the systems that they use, as well as finalizing our uh, next several um, radio uh, tower sites that are throughout the system. With the terrain that La Crosse County has, it's been very critical for us to keep upgrading our uh, radio tower sites because many times the um, uh, the radio systems don't reach where the officers are in buildings or in coolies or in uh, you know the rolling terrain that's in La Crosse County. So we're making significant investments with in that budget that are going to continue to upgrade uh, how we provide emergency services. Uh, we're talking with Steve O'Malley, the La Crosse County Administrator. I talked to the National Weather Service guy this morning, uh, Todd Reek, and I yes, yesterday morning my show was interrupted because of the, the a National Weather Service announcement over the radio. I asked Todd if he or somebody he worked with was, was the radio robot voice. Uh, if we're upgrading the systems, are we still going to have the radio robot voice, Steve, or will it sound more human? <laughs> uh, well, that that's independent of the county system. The <laughs> system that I'm talking about is uh, the dispatchers. When you call 911, yeah. they need to be the connection to bring in EMTs or the fire department. So we're talking about the interaction of the backbone of the public safety system. When you call 911, you expect to have quick response and uh, and getting the people there that need that are needed. Yeah, I do see that every once in a while. 911 is down in this area or that area, so maybe that'll clean some of that up. Um, you mentioned uh, the budget process being, a, you know, maybe a little bit easier to handle you know, with COVID last year because of the CARES Act. And uh, coming up this year or next year, I should say, 
uh, because of the American Rescue Plan Act, uh, and that was something you guys voted on, or the Lacrosse County Board voted on, um, um, how to best distribute that money. So I, I have the rankings here. I guess you rank them. I don't know if I feel I feel like there was five of them. Maybe one just got cut from the list, but. The, the top thing was sustainability, then affordable housing, child care was third, tourism was fourth. Uh, what did you think of, of how the county board voted there on, on to use the $23 million in American Rescue Plan Act money there? Well, again, this is the um, second or third meeting where they've tried to prioritize what their policies or priorities are, and now the serious work will go on on individual projects within those priorities. And that's all independent of the 2022 budget process because we've been able to bring in uh, a budget without relying on the American Rescue Dollars so that the board on behalf of the public can do some very innovative and um, uh, impactful things in those areas that you just described. And so while we don't have specific projects identified yet, uh, the public should be uh, assured that None of that money is being relied on for our basic day-to-day operations. None of that money uh, will be uh, replacing what our basic responsibilities are. And our hope is that the board will be able to identify projects and initiatives that they can point to and say, here's some very significant things we did with this large amount of money that the federal government gave us that you can be pleased to see that we're attacking some really long-term and specific problems uh, within the community. Uh, Because it's one-time money. We don't want to just uh, add it to our operating budget. We can uh, sustain the services that we already provide uh, within the parameters that that the state has set for us and uh, be able to have an ongoing dialogue with the community about what these large dollar amounts, along with the city of La Crosse, uh, can have an impact on long-term homelessness problems, sustainability, uh, land use, um, uh, services to the elderly, all those things that you talked about. And so now we've got some idea of what their priorities are. Now what are the programs or projects that you can use one-time dollars to have an impact positively on the community? Now, within these four things, again, sustainability, affordable housing, child care, tourism, you, you mentioned to me before the show that now, now the process begins. We'll, just, we'll have task forces within these, these four groups, and, and uh, I guess who would make up the task forces? Well, it'll be uh, county board members that volunteered to um, target and, and try to develop ideas within each of those areas. There will be um, uh, uh, special um, uh, staff people that work in those areas of housing and um, uh, tourism and economy. Each one of those areas will end up representing people that know about uh, developing solutions in those areas. Uh, one, obviously, is affordable housing. The, the city's very involved in that. Uh, several organizations are involved in that. So trying to develop a uh, project or specific program uh, that would address that and, and make some long-term uh, impact is really the goal. With affordable housing, does the county have maybe a little bit more ability to do something like that? Because obviously the county is bigger. The city is kind of the city and whatever is built is built. And, you know, you could find areas to to rebuild or, or just, you know, like uh, revamp and add affordable housing. But the, the county, there's probably some wide open spaces that maybe we could take a look at and people would have to drive a little further possibly. But is, is the county maybe better, a, a, a bit, a, better able to to help people with affordable housing? Um, I, I don't think we're um, more able to. I think it's in partnership with um, housing organizations like the Housing Authority, 
Cooley Cap, Salvation Army, and the city, um, uh, a lot of times the issue of affordable housing is within our incorporated areas, and finding solutions for neighborhood revitalization and or tackling how uh, um, people of, of low income means are able to access housing. You wouldn't want to uh, distribute it too far away from uh, the central city because uh, then you've got transportation issues and those kinds of things. So it's really about uh, neighborhood revitalization, affordability, where can people find um, a good, well-paying jobs and be close to uh, where the housing is. So it's uh, a lot of interaction. So I, I wouldn't uh, take credit that the county can solve the issue, but working closely with all of these other organizations, I think we can uh, bring something to the table to help find long-term solutions. I don't know, Steve. I feel like you should just take the credit. <laughs> um, that's Lacrosse County Administrator Steve O'Malley. All right, we got to get to Scott's comment and Brad doing the news. We'll continue this conversation when we come back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line if you want to shoot me a text. There are a couple texts here, and I will get to them. Uh, Lacrosse County Administrator Steve O'Malley is in here, not in here with me, on the phone with me. And Steve has been the administrator for the past 18 years in the county. And we're going to get into, uh, well, some of the news today is just the Afghan refugees and a Republican bandwagon went out to uh, Fort McCoy today. Didn't didn't invite any of the Democrats in the area to come with them, uh, which I thought was weird. I asked all, I asked Ron Kine's people, I asked S- Steve Doyle and I asked Jill Billings if they were invited. They were not. Um, but But we will ask Steve about what the county is going to do there. But Steve, you mentioned what did I, what do you call it? And I, all I can think of is tax levy. And and I think you you talk about uh, the budget for the for the upcoming year, and that's what one of the big things you're all working on. But you mentioned something about the the lowest tax levy in the state. Can you just explain what that means? Yes, for um, for all counties above a hundred thousand population, Lacrosse County has the lowest absolute total tax levy for county services. So if any county above 100,000 population, the top 16 most populous counties in the state, we have the absolute lowest total amount of property taxes for our budget compared to any of those other counties in the state. We have the sixth lowest per capita. So if you lived in any other county above 100,000, the portion that you pay for county services is less here than in any of those other counties. And that's due to the leadership of the finance staff here and the department heads living within um, uh, the boundaries that we give them. And it's been a long uh, standing record uh, that we've sustained. So that's part of what I'm very proud of is we're able to provide that. Now, again, that's the county portion of property taxes. And as as we all know, um, that's not true of every local unit of government, but that's our county line item uh, that's included. Yeah, then because people in the city of La Crosse are like, what are you talking about? My taxes are higher than anyone else in the area, but that's probably due to uh, everything else that goes into property taxes. Correct. And I can only be responsible for the county budget and the county property taxes. And um, uh, that's what I try to do. All right. We were talking about, so the county board last week uh, met and, and voted uh, to start the process of, of distributing or, or looking into how they want to use the American Rescue Plan Act money, $23 million. Um, sustainability, affordable housing, child care, and tourism were the top four in that order. I think if you did, you rank them like literally like a college football poll. 
Um, they actually did it by a, uh, a text poll, um, much like you would do um, online. So uh, they're able to um, put that. What the actual results are going to happen will be what projects they come up with in each of those areas. So that those priorities may shift depending upon um, the projects that they are most interested in investing in. It includes uh, considerations of infrastructure, housing, uh, child care, all the issues you just talked about. Uh, but until they actually uh, put paper to pencil and say, um, in this project area, in this um, initiative, um, it, I wouldn't presume what it actually is going to come out of this, but again, um, our, our staff are leading that effort independent of our annual budget process, which uh, I'm leading. All right. So, the, and the first half of that money is in in the kitty somewhere, right? You got it in a, do you just have it in bags in the back of your office or what? Yeah, it's an $11.4 million um, uh, distribution that came from the federal government. It's been segregated in a separate account uh, with interest accruing to it. And until the board actually makes budgetary decisions and appropriations, um, nothing will be spent. Okay, so you haven't like used it to buy Bitcoin or anything like that? Nope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no comedy, says. Uh, maybe he has. Uh, all right, so... With that, I, I've got a, I've got two texts, and just just kind of one person says use that money to fix the roads. So just I think we could probably spend all twenty three million to fix all the roads, or um, the other another person says use that money as tax relief. So just give the money back to the taxpayer. Well, first of all, we have a, a five year capital improvement plan that addresses fixing roads. The board could still decide to appropriate some of that money under certain rules to be able to do uh, additional road repair. Uh, that'll be part of the budget debate ongoing for the next couple of years. Uh, the, the second piece is that the law does not allow you to use it for tax relief. So it, it specifically um, uh, dictated that uh, both the money to the state and the, and the local governments cannot be used for tax relief. So it's got to be used for projects that actually benefit the public and address both short-term and long-term economic issues that came out of the pandemic. And, and so that's what we're um, uh, helping to um, guide the board as they uh, make decisions. Uh, it may include uh, improved roads, but this is independent of the capital improvement plan that we already have, that each year uh, we do a significant number of road repairs. Yeah, I'm getting another text that says, uh, how is he, you, he wants to know how the highway department is doing financially because apparently the county highway roads are getting worse. Well, actually, we, we do quite a bit of work. Uh, we've done 63 miles in the last 10 years. We continue to expand the amount of investment and grant dollars that we put into roads. So, yes, there are areas that are getting worse, but you, I can also point to projects that we've made a huge amount of progress on in urban areas that are county roads. So, for example, between Onalaska and Holman, if you drive in that area at all, uh, the entire SN uh, project that comes in uh, of from that area is completely being redone and is one of our proudest projects. Uh, we've done um, a Goose Island uh, uh, project just last year using about 70% of the money was from successfully getting federal grants uh, to help do that. So there's all, just a whole list of projects where, where we are making progress. And, of course, there's never enough to do everything you would like to do. And so um, the board will debate that as well. But uh, we've made a lot of progress on some very high visible uh, projects within our community. There's never enough, Steve, until Joe Biden sends you $23 million, and now we could just use it all. <laughs> 
Well, again, we elect people to make those final decisions, and that's what the board will be wrestling with as they look at, um, is that the highest priority, or how does that tie into the other ones that they've talked about? Yeah, and, and, and we'll, we'll have some public comment sessions on how to sure. use this money, right? I think there's, is there 29 board members? And, well, 29 uh, members elected by district, and so if people have ideas and they want to contact uh, their board members, they should do that. There will also be some kind, kind of a, a public input uh, process during that. We haven't developed that just yet, uh, but just like we're doing with our comprehensive plan, we will be asking for public comment on the priorities, particularly as we develop more um, um, specific recommendations on projects and initiatives. So there will be a public input process to this um, uh, debate and discussion by the board. Uh, public input is something that I'm going to discuss Friday with the political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chagoski at UWL. Um, but two county board members, I've been told, did vote against having public comment. Uh, did that surprise you? What did you think of that? Yeah, I, I, you know, again, because it was just a poll that was done on the screen, I don't know what that background was. Um, i I guess I was a little surprised, but the overwhelming majority of the board wanted to have some kind of public input process, and we'll, I'm sure we're going to publicize it as we uh, go forward, just as we're doing with our comprehensive plan, where there are many ways that people can give public input to that update. Uh, there will be ways for uh, public to give input to uh, decisions that will be uh, talked about as we go along with the ARPA money. The way that vote was done, do we know who who those two people are? Can I can I go and look that up or send an email to, to Monica and ask her? I know you could ask her, but I don't think that it was um, labeled by individual supervisors. So, no, I, I don't know. But you could ask her. I uh, Again, I was observant, uh, observing it just like everybody else in the room, just like I don't know who picked sustainability as the highest priority versus uh, affordable housing. So it was okay. you know, a text message thing. Again, I wouldn't read too much into it. The vast majority of the board wants public input, and um, we're going to receive it. So there's yeah. a means for that to happen. Oh, and for sure, it's just a, a part of my discussion on Friday. It'll just be the, the, the idea that public input sometimes doesn't always work out because you have all these public input sessions, and nobody comes, nobody has any input, and then you That's, go ahead yeah. with the decision – and then the outrage begins, and it's like, well, you never showed up. So it's just part of the conversation. And those two board members, I just, I might want to ask them, you know, maybe, maybe that's what they're thinking. So um, anyway, moving on the 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 county. This isn't a Lacrosse County thing, but it's something everyone is talking about. And so I just want to get your take here. We're the Afghan refugee situation at Fort McCoy uh, between Sparta and Toma. Uh, Ron Johnson said about ten thousand refugees could be coming that he didn't have a timetable he said about a thousand were there now uh have you has the county started just thinking about uh and and what would you be thinking about with refugees coming to the area well i I think it's really more about a regional conversation it's too early to tell if county governments will have a role or not i know back in uh, 2004 and 2005 when the second wave of Hmong refugees uh, uh, came to the La Crosse area. Um, the state government and the county were involved in helping to settle uh, refugees. We already had a large Hmong community at the time, and this was my first couple of years here in, in La Crosse. We worked closely with the Hmong community on helping to um, welcome the uh, second wave, just as the folks in Wausau did in Eau Claire and some other places. Um, so I know there's a regional discussion going on and starting among community groups and others saying what can we do 
uh, to assist. Um, it's really too early to tell if the county would have any role, uh, but we do have some experience with that. And at the same time, it is county government that helps integrate um, uh, refugees when they come to a community uh, to help find work, to help find housing, uh, to help get services and, and those types of things. So I know we'll be monitoring that uh, pretty closely. The interesting thing is that it, it um, unlike uh, the Hmong community when they uh, refugees first came here, uh, they tended to be less educated and more rural in, in nature, uh, their experience when they were in Laos, whereas a lot of the Afghan uh, refugees that uh, I've learned about uh, tend to be higher educated and uh, professionals. And so there may be uh, a different approach. Um, but again, I'm, I'm watching the news just like everybody else. I don't have any great expertise on this, and I'm not clear that the county will have a role in it. I just know that historically, um, when large numbers of refugees came from uh, uh, the Vietnam War and Laos and, and that whole situation, the county governments were more involved. So we'll see if that ends up uh, transpiring here with uh, these refugees. But I'm watching the news just like everybody else, and this is all happening so uh, quickly uh, that it's really difficult to know what role we might have if, if that transpires. Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting. You just kind of, you told, because when we were talking about this earlier, you said Hmong refugees had come, obviously, or maybe not so obvious, but after the Vietnam War. But a second wave came in right when you kind of started as a La Crosse County Administrator, right, in 2003 to 2005. And these, the second wave of Hmong refugees were in internment camps. So they were, I mean, were they essentially just since the Vietnam War, just not not able to function in society? You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's my understanding is that many of those folks were in refugee camps for many years and very, very challenged uh, to be able to build a life and, and eventually uh, were recognized to be able to be that second wave. And, um, you know, again, this is almost uh, 18 years ago now, but uh, those folks were very challenged. And one of the things that was very advantageous to them was when they came over here, if there were already other Hmong refugees here, like we had in, in La Crosse, uh, you know, the first wave that was settled, um, they had a bit, an ability to connect with the clan and, the, and you know, family members and or at least people that came from the same place they did with the same language issues. And so there was an advantage to La Crosse, Wausau, Eau Claire, and other places because there were already settled um, Hmong communities here. Now, that wouldn't be the case with the Afghan refugees, but it does indicate that um, uh, county government and community members can step forward and actually help uh, refugees that are coming to our country. And, and uh, um, I'm certain that our county, if, uh, if we're given that opportunity, would uh, want to be a part of that discussion and, and uh, try to do what we can. Um, all right, moving on. We're talking with La Crosse County Administrator Steve O'Malley. Uh, another thing that kind of just comes and goes in the news, and but it's a situation that everybody on French Island has to deal with all the time, the PFAS situation. And um, I guess what what's the county com- county board and the the county conversation ha- uh, with that with the PFAS situation on French Island? Well, certainly the the solution and the responsibility for that is going to be between uh, City of La Crosse, Town of Campbell, and the DNR. Uh, but we continue to participate and try to monitor what's going on there to see if we can be any part of the solution or uh, try to help. Uh, advise people on on that. So um, while it's not our primary responsibility in public health or county government, uh, certainly we're we're, um, very concerned about the health of impacts on people on French Island and are just hopeful that um, 
by participating that uh, there can be solutions that come out of state and local government that that address that and uh, we happen to know that um, uh, the manufacturers of uh, of those chemicals are being held responsible in various communities across the nation uh, for um, uh, the bad impacts of that, and, and I'm hopeful that uh, that will also be part of the solution, is that the manufacturers uh, uh, will have to compensate for um, correcting the, uh, the um, uh, health of the water and to address that as well. I mean, the French Island is within La Crosse County. So when you say it's a city thing and it's a DNR thing, why isn't it a La Crosse County government thing? Um, La Crosse County isn't responsible for regulating of water. We help people with doing testing of uh, wells for location of wells and that type of thing. But again, DNR is the primary responsible government for uh, regulating water use. And that the uh, dispute or concern right now seems to be between um, the well water uh, that uh, is provided by uh, the city of La Crosse and uh, the fact that a lot of the PFAS seems to be related to um, um, airport uh, use of those chemicals. Uh, when uh, town of Campbell, um, many of those folks have wells that are contaminated by that. And so, um, again, our, our role isn't, we're not over and above everybody else. We're, um, um, uh, you know, not directly responsible providing water utility. That's a responsibility of towns and cities and villages. All right. And then just last thing, you got a couple minutes here, Steve. Um, we talk about, again, with like co-ops, like local government, so city government, maybe with a county government. Uh, at one point when we were discussing the Lacrosse Center expansion, $42 million expansion, which is coming, kind of coming to the end, the city of Lacrosse had asked outlying governments, hey, do you want to pitch in on this thing? Because obviously the Lacrosse Center brings people in and it kind of helps all the outlying cities as well as the city of Lacrosse or outlying areas. Um, and I, I think I, I, you, you guys did help out with that. And also, like the, all, you wanted representation, right, on the Lacrosse County Board or the, the Lacrosse Center Board? Yeah, and I can't recall what actually happened with that. I believe that the city agreed to put a member of the uh, county board on the Lacrosse Center Board uh, if they were from a district that's within the city of Lacrosse. We provided. Uh, approximately 150,000 towards the project, and we also led on the effort advocating with uh, the prior administration on getting state money towards that. Um, uh, we got a, uh, um, they got a five million dollar grant from the uh, state on that. We helped lead the effort of getting um, resolutions from surrounding municipalities to support that, as well as asking Wisconsin Counties Association to lobby the previous administration to provide. Uh, that funding to the lacrosse center so we may not have done as much as the city had hoped that we would do and we don't provide an ongoing funding stream for that but we had a lot of discussion and debate and we're we're supportive of the expansion there and coincidentally at the end of september wisconsin county's conference is coming here to lacrosse center so we're looking forward to uh, uh experiencing the new facility um, is there any other projects where, where city and county government kind of work? I mean, I'm sure there's all kinds, but like in this regard where it's a big project and I don't know, is there anything else where, where that would, that would take place? Yeah, there, there are many things that are going, as we talked about in our 2022 budget, we're going to be upgrading all of our com- computer aided dispatch and records management systems that provide dispatch services to all of the municipalities. And obviously, City of La Crosse is the largest law enforcement agency that we'll be working closely with on upgrading our computer aided dispatch system and radio system that uh, covers uh, all of these areas. 
Uh, we'll be working with the City of La Crosse on affordable housing issues and hopefully combining their uh, American Rescue dollars with some of ours towards some long-term solutions to homelessness in our community uh, so we continue to have dialogue between um, our administration and the administration at the city about are there additional ways that we can collaborate to help uh, re-stimulate the economy, provide affordable housing, and try to address the homelessness problem in our community. All the ideas I got on the text line, Steve, are fix the roads, uh, build, just use all the money to build affordable housing, uh, the, 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 the Biden money, I guess. I'll just call it the Biden money. And then, uh, or just give it all back in tax relief, which you said you can't do, but I think you could just, just cook the book, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I have to comply with federal and state law. <laughs> all right. That's La Crosse County Administrator Steve O'Malley. Hey, man, thanks a lot for joining us. Hey, thanks for inviting me. Have a good night. You too. All right. I got to take one more break. We'll be back. All right. Just going to wrap up here. Thanks again to Steve O'Malley, La Crosse County Administrator, for joining us. 18 years on the job. He's been in government for 36 years. Yeah, we got That was a lot. That was a lot to take, I think. <laughs> The Biden money from the 23 million Biden money. I, I can't find the American Rescue Plan Act. There it is. It's just easier to say Biden money. And uh, just some of the other stuff. Also, Kim Cable is on the La Crosse County Board and the La Crosse Center Board. So that's the representation that the two entities have together. All right. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow, Ken Gilliam, Fire Chief.